Hey, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. This week, we're talking about the first Murderbot novella, All Systems Red, Marvel's Loki, and the Hulu series Nine Perfect Strangers. Before we start, actually, I want to give a small update. A couple weeks ago, we watched the Tignataro special Drawn, mm-hmm. and I watched her other special, Happy to Be Here, which is on Netflix. It's from 2018, I believe. And I really liked it a lot. And I think as cute as the animation was in Drawn and as cool of an idea that is, I think it actually really helped me to see her face when she was telling jokes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I laughed a lot more. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah, she's very expressive Mm -hmm. and yet low-key. So Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to give a <laughs> tiny update on that. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed that. That's great. Yeah. But you, you've you read something very different than <laughs> watching a stand-up special recently. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, tell me. I need to understand this world. I don't really know <laughs> Murderbot very much, so. Okay. Yeah. Do tell. <laughs> the, the great thing is that this is funny in its own way. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So it's a series of books. Most of them are novellas, but there's one that's a full novel. They're by Martha Wells, and they are narrated by the protagonist, who is a security unit construct bot. And they refer to themselves, they like to be called murder bot. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all in first person, which I think is really interesting because there's not like a lot of physical description, obviously their name is not gendered so it's sort of like she's leaving it up to you to decide what they look like and and all of that they have mostly robotic parts but they also have some organic parts so they can like get injured and they have to go into this little cube unit to get fixed like Mm -hmm. we'll get into that in a sec the first novella is called all systems red and then it's followed by artificial condition rogue protocol exit strategy and then the fifth book is called network effect and i believe that is the full-length novel and then the last one is called fugitive telemetry and these are really popular i've heard about them for a long time and finally i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna read it and it's really good (laughs) and i think part of that it comes down to the voice of the protagonist so the short version of the plot is that Murderbot has been assigned to like a exploratory team of scientists on this planet. Mm-hmm. And in this world, it's sci-fi world, so there's interplanetary travel and all of that stuff. But it's sort of dominated by corporations. So there are a couple teams on this planet who are backed by different corporations and things and they're doing scientific discovery and you know trying to figure out what the planet's like and how that will be useful in the future but there this company that murderbot is with is not the only one there and what happens in this novella is that they start to have some weird stuff happen like there's a part of their maps that are missing and their readings are off a bit. So they go, they know that there's another party nearby 
who's backed by a different company and they they go and try to talk to them and they find out that they are all dead <gasps> which is terrifying <laughs> yeah because they're like oh was it something on the planet was it weird animals that like came in and attacked them but then they figure out that it was actually the third team of scientists there on the planet oh and they realize that they are going to be next so murderbot has to help them survive and try to get off the planet so it's short it's fast-paced and i actually already started reading the second one (laughs) but the best thing about the series i think is murderbot itself (laughs) (laughs) because it doesn't really care about its job okay so the security bots have something called a governor module Uh and murderbots is broken oh (laughs) so (laughs) basically what it does is when it's not doing its job it like sits and watch watches soap operas and stuff oh my gosh that's amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it it has this really cool personality and it's just like please don't bother me please don't talk to me i just want to watch my space opera (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's really cute it doesn't like to interact with people so it has this helmet shield but it can go opaque or it can be clear and it keeps it opaque a lot because it doesn't like to be looked at and there are some things and i think they're going to come up later in the series because it looks like a human and it can pass almost as a human if it doesn't have its armor on and stuff so i think there's a lot of there's a lot of tension because it's not really a citizen and the crew they like the murder bot, but they're also sort of weirded out by it because it's not human, it's not a citizen, and it and like sits and watches soap operas all day. <laughs> <laughs> so it likes to keep its helmet opaque because it's like, I don't like being looked at. <laughs> there are moments yeah. where it has to be in the room with everyone because they're figuring out a plan or something. And, and it gets really embarrassed when it gets addressed directly and one time they're like can you please keep your helmet like can you please take your helmet off so we can see you and it's just like i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah and one time when it gets embarrassed it just like goes and stands in the corner (laughs) oh so it's like it's like super relatable in a way (laughs) (laughs) especially during a pandemic it's like oh do i have to interact with people i would rather not i would rather just sit and watch tv (laughs) (laughs) I have a few quotes from it from the novella that I wanted to read the first one is just I hate having emotions about reality I'd much rather have them about Sanctuary Moon which is a TV show that it watches (laughs) (laughs) and at one point it says there is no rational reason for me to sound like a whiny human baby (laughs) like part of the charm of this and I think why it's so popular is because of the murderbot character itself. Because the the novellas are pretty short, they're fast to read, and they, they make you really intrigued for the next one, because it ends... It's not a really a cliffhanger, but it's like, oh, what's going to happen now? And then I went immediately into the second one, and I'm excited to find out more about Murderbot, and like... I think Murderbot is finding out about itself, too, which is very interesting. And they're just really cool and fun. And yeah, highly recommend them, as have many other people who have come before me. 
Cool. Those sound really cute. I mm-hmm. think I might try to seek that out in between other books I'm reading. So Not cool. Sure. I don't know yeah. if it's an audiobook, but it might be a quick little listen when you drive to work. Oh, that yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah. I need to get more into audiobooks for my long, long drive. So cool. Thank yeah, you. No problem. But you are watching a very good TV show that or you yes. have watched it. Yes, I finished it. Season one at least. Yeah. So keeping with our sci-fi theme. I don't know that our third piece today is particularly sci-fi, but Mm-mm. but yeah, so I watched Loki on Disney Plus, which is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, featuring the character of Loki, played by Tom Hiddleston. And this is really, really fun. It's not I wouldn't call it a comedy, but it's a lot more comedic than some of the other MCU Disney Plus series. Okay. It's a lot more in some ways like WandaVision, which, you know, I just adored WandaVision. Mm -hmm. So this was similarly had some moments of lightheartedness. And I love the character of Loki. He's very problematic and, and not always great. He's kind of a villain a lot of the time. But this is his chance to start his redemption arc. Okay. And really lean into that. Plus... There's a ton of time travel, and you know how much I love time travel? So You do. I do. This series, in many ways, is very similar to Doctor Who, which I also love. So oh. it has a lot in common with that. So not to... I'm going to give a little warning here that I'm going to spoil part of one of the Avengers movies. So in one of the Avengers movies, Loki steals this object called the Tesseract, which facilitates interdimensional and time travel and he disappears now in the movies he comes back and he does eventually actually die in one of the later avengers movies and it's not that that's undone but what this show depicts is what happened to loki when he stole the tesseract and he has all these different adventures but he actually creates an alternate timeline so this version of loki is suddenly from that point onward not the same as in the main avengers and mcu timeline so that loki still gets killed in the later film this loki is presumably kind of he's called a variant he has deviated from the primary timeline created a new timeline so he is suddenly an alternate version of himself does that make sense at all it gets really confusing (laughs) (laughs) so I mean, the main thing is that he he gets arrested by this group called the Time Variance Authority, or the TVA, and they're tasked with seeing moments in the entirety of time and noticing when people deviate from what is considered the primary timeline, and they arrest them, charge them with being a time variant, and they get sentenced to some kind of situation where, you know, they might be sent somewhere else they might be deleted so they actually are killed oh geez to preserve the sanctity of the primary timeline and prevent a multiverse from occurring okay so he's arrested he's charged with this and the fun thing about it is that the the tva the time variance authority is in effect a bureaucracy so it's like an office building (laughs) but it's like in some you know interdimensional different space but it's so fun because a lot of it is like paperwork and people wearing little suits and just kind of walking around and being like 
acting like they're doing something very mundane, like it's a Xerox type company. And yet what (laughs) they actually do is sentence people (laughs) for having deviated from the, the prime timeline. So Loki meets this character, Mobius played by Owen Wilson, which is kind of a random (laughs) casting choice. And Mobius works for the TVA, and he's this like middle management type guy. And he's very Owen Wilson-y. He's very like, (laughs) wow, and oh gosh, and all this. And one of the most charming things about this show is the growing friendship between Loki and Mobius. And Loki, they let Loki kind of go on missions with them a little bit, because one of the reasons he's valuable is that as what they call a Loki, he is uniquely positioned to help them catch a different Loki variant who is actually doing a lot more damage to the timeline. So Mobius gets Loki, our Loki, to help him go find this other Loki. And they do. And then that causes some chaos because the two Lokis kind of go off together and, and escape and whatnot. There's a lot of discoveries about the true nature of the TVA, what they're actually about. There's some like conspiracies that are going on, other mysterious people that work for this organization who may have less less pure motives than Mobius, including Ravana Renslayer, played by Gugu Mabatha-Ra, who is amazing. She's wonderful. I don't want her to be a bad guy. <laughs> well... She may not be. It's kind of, there's a lot of ambiguity, too, because you've got our central character, our protagonist, has been portrayed as a villain in a lot of media. Yes, that's true. And so what's neat about this show is that everybody's kind of shades of gray. The other Loki variant, and I don't want to spoil too much about them, but I mean, it's been sort of in the media, even if you haven't watched it, but that Loki variant has their own sort of motivations and level of villainy versus heroism. There's other Loki variants that we meet in different episodes, and they're all played by different actors and are all really, really fun and clever. Okay. We also see versions of Loki that are more like from older comic book iterations of the character, and that's fun. And yeah, so it's hard to really talk about too much if you want to remain unspoiled. Mm -hmm. But some of the things that the series does really well, it's essentially an action adventure superhero show but it's also a crime thriller it's also a science fiction it's also fantasy it also has some procedural drama elements to it and it is also very funny in places because one of the other things is loki has been a source of comic relief in a lot of the avengers films Mm -hmm. and even though he's a little more toned down in this to a certain extent but he still has that more comedic than not nature his big thing is creating chaos and whimsy and he just likes to mess things up just for the sake of creating chaos that's kind of his whole thing so he there's a fair amount of that all the actors are really really good and it's just a fun journey a lot of the episodes end on cliffhangers so you get to the point of like eh, so <laughs> i was watching it as it came out and that was really frustrating at times yeah. so since it's all out now if you did want to start watching it you have the ability to just go oh, okay i'm gonna just keep going okay And I think it has been renewed for season two. Okay. But one of the other things, too, is that they really make it canonically true that Loki is both gender fluid and bisexual. And it's kind of treated as, well, of course, because that's true in the comics. It's not been so much revealed in the movies, but they just make it sort of matter of fact and not a big deal. And fans have reacted both with, that's awesome. But then they also 
act like why is why is it taken this long and also why is it still not a major plot point but i would also argue mm-hmm. they're dealing with a lot of like huge life and death <laughs> situations and it's all very heightened and so yeah. you know they're not going to have time for a huge sidetrack of showing too many things about his gender or his romantic inclination although that there is a love story in this show okay. that is a bit controversial but i really liked it and i was kind of all in favor of it so i'll leave that a little bit ambiguous but yeah it's just it's just fun and i don't know something about i really like when villains turn good mm-hmm. i think that often villains are some of the most interesting characters in a tv show or movie or book series and to have somebody get redeemed is i think that's a really realistic journey i think it proves that we all have the potential to be better and to make amends and i think that that's really inspiring so yeah yeah and and tom tom hiddleston is just charming i gotta say i'm sorry (laughs) he's cute he's got that lovely accent and uh, he's easy on the eyes so (laughs) there you go yeah (laughs) yeah that sounds really fun yeah you said it's six episodes um it's yes it's six episodes and it's all on disney plus okay so very cool yeah check it out i might do that cool but we both have been watching something very different very different (laughs) yeah we've been watching nine perfect strangers on hulu which is a limited series based on book by Leanne Moriarty. The show was created by David E. Kelly, who I think also did Big Little Lies. Yes. Which also was written by Leanne Moriarty and starred Nicole Kidman, which this one does. Yeah. It's about nine people who go to a health retreat run by Nicole Kidman's character, Masha, who is Russian and very mysterious. (laughs) And also amazing. Nicole Kidman is amazing in anything. Yes. But they've all got issues. And as you're sort of getting to know them and figuring out why they're here and why, what sort of healing they need, there are also questions about the resort that come up and you're like, is this, is this on the up and up? Is this legit? Like what's going on behind the scenes here? So a couple of the characters we have, There's Frances Welty, who's played by Melissa McCarthy, and she is a romance novelist, which I always love seeing writers in in shows. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although she's probably more successful than most writers. Yes, yes. There's the Marconi family. Dad Napoleon, who's played by Michael Shannon. Mom Heather, played by Asher Keddy. And daughter Zoe who's played by Grace Van Patten, and she's 20. She's turning 21 at the resort. Their relationship is very interesting. Napoleon is pretty upbeat, and Heather's not, and Zoe's just kind of trying to ride the wave, sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there are Ben and Jessica, who are a married couple. Jessica's played by Samara Weaving, and Ben is played by Melvin Gregg. And... Yeah, it takes a little while for them to reveal their issues, I think. Uh-huh. But they're they're shaping up to be kind of interesting 
Uh, do you want to talk about the rest of the characters? Sure. Um, there's Lars Lee, played by Luke Evans, who it took me a while to recognize him because he looks very different than he has in other other roles. And he seems to have some kind of, like, he almost seems to be investigating the resort. So it's not really clear if he's there for legitimate purposes or if he's actually kind of undercover or something. I'm not, it's not really clear yet. And he likes to stir things up. He does, yes. And so there's Tony, played by Bobby Cannavale, who is, he's really blustery and gruff. And he seems to have an initial sort of irritating, but also sort of chemistry-filled interaction with Francis, which is a delight. <laughs> I really like them kind of conversing together. Yeah. And he seems to have a, either a drug addiction or some anger management issues, or maybe both. <laughs> and then there's also Carmel, played by Regina Hall, who's a single mother. And she seems very shy and retiring, but at times she has these little angry outbursts. Mm -hmm. And she seems to initially say that she's there for weight loss and physical wellness, but I think she's really there for some emotional work as well. Right. There's also people who work for the resort. Delilah, played by Tiffany Boone. Yao, played by Manny Jacinto from The Good Place. I was very yeah. happy to see him. <laughs> and uh, Glory, played by Zoe Terakis. So yeah, they're all kind of in this Tranquillum House environment, which is gorgeous like the the mm -hmm. scenery and the buildings and you get the idea that they're supposed to be doing hiking and swimming and massages and exercise like yoga and stuff but they also end up kind of like it seems like their food is being restricted in ways that are creepy they have to have blood drawn which seems weird mm -hmm. and just a lot of little weird things and masha is weird like really weird <laughs> Masha is crazy weird. Nicole Kidman looks bizarre in this. She's always wearing all white. Oh, yeah. Her hair is like white blonde and kind of almost stringy looking. She doesn't look real. Like, she looks like this doll. I don't know. She seems all very soothing and kind and her voice is kind of hypnotic and weird, but in a soothing way. And yet... She just does weird stuff and says weird stuff and acts yes. weird with her employees, especially. And you get the idea is Tranquillum House, the name of the retreat sounds creepy, like it's yeah, tranquility, but it's not quite and it's kind of made up. And what, what are we doing here? So, <laughs> so yeah, and and it's, I don't know how many episodes it's, it's I think it's going to be eight episodes, and they haven't aired all of them. I've watched the first three have you watched the fourth one, too? Then? I have watched the fourth one, yeah. Okay. I got really annoyed when they dropped three at once, and then <laughs> now it's weekly, and I'm like, oh, I can't do that. But, <laughs> but they can. They can. They can. I'm all cut up, so I know a little bit more than you. Okay. But yeah, I I don't know how I feel about Masha. She's very intriguing. I think there's a lot in her backstory that we don't know yet, and she kind of goes up and down for me, like... She's always like, these 10 days, they're going to change you. You're going to be a different person when you come out. And it's sort of like, is that, does she really believe that? Is she, is this all a hoax? Mm -hmm. There are, are layers there that I don't think we've figured out yet. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's telling, Masha explains in the first episode that she reinvented herself because she'd been this high-powered businesswoman who was stressed out all the time and 
really just burning the candle at both ends. And then she got shot in a seeming carjacking and almost died, or she was kind of clinically dead for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yao, her guy who's like her right-hand man at Tranquilum House, was actually the EMT that brought her back to life. So they have kind of a strange relationship. The fact that Yao is a medical professional, the fact that Masha was a businesswoman, and you get the idea that there's some kind of level of marketing and PR involved here, that's a really weird combination of actual legitimate medicine and PR. Yes. And that kind of intrigues me. The other employees do seem to be kind of like estheticians or massage therapists or combinations of people that are involved in sort of the more holistic elements of wellness culture. And the whole idea of wellness culture anyway can be either very positive or very negative and toxic. So it's kind of, that's interesting to me too. Yes. And there is an element that seems kind of culty as well, mm-hmm. right? So she's got a very like interesting personality that is very leadership oriented, even though she's a little bit soft-spoken. But p- the fact that she looks strange and speaks strangely and says weird things does make people seem kind of drawn to her in the same way that they might be a cult leader. So Yeah, and they, they each get a day with Masha mm-hmm. while they're there. And when they get when it's their day, some of them get very excited to like spend time with Masha. So you can absolutely see that aspect of it. One thing that is also interesting is it's shown to be very exclusive. Like a lot of people apply to this. It seems like it's very expensive. Uh-huh. And Masha like handpicks the guests as a group. Uh-huh. So I'm very curious about like, why did she pick these nine people? Uh-huh. What is she hoping happens? Is the purpose for everything to like sort of implode? I don't really know what's going on there. Uh-huh. So I think we'll we'll find out. But yeah, it's really weird because they do show some of their activities and some you're kind of like, okay, that that makes sense. Like one time they have a, a potato sack race. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which is just cute. And Yao's like, yeah, because laughter promotes healing and stuff. And and that sort of all makes sense. But then another time, they like have to dig their own graves and <laughs> lie down in them. And you're just like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's like they're trying to pull them through a series of, of complicated emotions that are mm-hmm. both positive and negative and just put them through an emotional ringer in certain ways. It's also interesting to me that everyone everyone whose job we know almost has something to do with constructing a different reality. So like Francis is a novelist, Napoleon is a teacher, but he's like a history or a literature teacher, and that has a lot to do with constructing reality in certain ways, especially looking at things in retrospect. Jessica is a social media influencer, so obviously yeah. a lot of her life is spent on Instagram and constructing a certain reality about herself and her life. Tony had been a football player, which it's not constructing a different reality, but it is entertainment in a way. And Mm -hmm. using your body is being exploited in many ways through that process. And even though Carmel doesn't talk about it very much, she had worked on Broadway in like a behind the scenes capacity. So I feel like there's this idea of none of us are people whose jobs it is to produce concrete goods and services. We are all about creating ideas, images, entertainment, 
and it's all very surface in a certain way. That's very interesting. Yeah. I'm excited to see what comes of that because yeah. you can, yeah, you can say the same about Masha too. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's super good. I'm excited to watch the next episode, but I may wait till it's closer to the <laughs> fifth episode coming out so that I don't have to wait too long. These do drop on Wednesdays. Okay. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, there's a new episode available. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I will say David E. Kelly has been doing, as you mentioned, a lot of stuff with Leanne Moriarty's books and also working with Nicole Kidman. He also was the showrunner for The Undoing, which did also star Nicole Kidman. That was on HBO. And he also, prior to some of these more recent series of his, he was doing a lot of legal shows that either were dramatic or comedic or a combination thereof. So I think he's very interested in, in like legitimizing certain things and how law functions as both a practical good, but also you can use it to manipulate things. So I think he's his work is really good. I I enjoy his career. So yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to how this wraps up and seeing if he adapts another Moriarty book and yeah. Sir Nicole Kidman in the future. That would be great. I I enjoy this phase of Nicole's career. I think she's really doing <laughs> some good stuff. And the funny thing is about mm -hmm. these three series on. Big Little Lies, she's a little bit more straightforwardly, like, she had been a previously an, an attorney and is more a housewife and mother, wealthy, but kind of a, a sort of normal character with major marital problems and things. In The Undoing, she's a very successful therapist with this huge marital problem and stuff. And then in this, she's like, completely different. This is a total departure from those other two which were a little bit more relatable characters. This character, not relatable, very inscrutable, very strange. <laughs> so she's got some good range here in these in these series. So, yeah. Absolutely. But next week, we're talking about the Netflix series, The Chair, the Peacock series, Girls 5, Eva. And then we'll also be talking about how female film directors deal with violence in their movies. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gester. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you'd rather email us, you could do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at positivelypopculture.com. And please rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.